Today, we're going to explore the seed of all God's revealed principles. It can be found in its fullness in the first and second chapters of Genesis. I'm, of course, speaking of the doctrine of creation. Now, this doctrine is considered by many theologians to be the most significant of all biblical principles. But why is that? Well, the answer is fairly simple. The creative work of God is significant to all things. And as a result, it is of great importance and one that imparts an enormous amount of influence on the Christian worldview. So, in essence, the doctrine of creation is the fountainhead from which all biblical doctrine flows. The Apostle John emphasized this point as he drafted Revelation. He said, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. I'm Pastor Will Hunsaker, and you are listening to Brand of Man, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ. Not through the agencies of man, but by the grace of God. Let us pray. Holy and almighty God, we praise your glorious name as the author and creator of all things. It is from this revealed truth that we pray for your guidance and clarity of thought in the reading of your word. We also beg you, Father, to help us to apply this principle in order to live lives pleasing to you. So the doctrine of creation begins with the knowledge God is the first cause of all things. It also establishes God created all things from nothing. Now, this biblical truth is called ex nihilo, or out of nothing. In other words, no pre-existing material existed when God created. This concept is firmly planted all throughout Scripture, but begins with the opening verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So let's take a look at why we should be familiar with the doctrine of creation. Well, it was a theologian, Millard Erickson, in his work on Christian theology, who offered up a few basic reasons why the doctrine of creation is so important, and I agree with him fully. Erickson stated the Bible itself places great emphasis on God's creative work. And we can clearly see this. This emphasis is from Genesis to Revelation, as the entire Bible is dripping with reference to the doctrine of creation. The author of Hebrews states this, By faith, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things which are visible. Hebrews 11, verse 3. Another point Erickson made is the doctrine of creation is a significant part of church history and the teaching and preaching of the gospel. Very significant to it. This is made evident through the formal doctrinal statements of faith developed by the early church fathers. And these can be viewed in all seven economical councils from the 4th century to the 8th century. A final point by Erickson, and one I mentioned from the outset, is that the doctrine of creation is of great importance in how we interpret other biblical doctrines. This doctrine is essential to our understanding of mankind. God created mankind on the sixth day. It's uh, critical to our understanding of sin and of evil and of salvation and of many more. Everything linked to that. Erickson adds, if we were to alter the doctrine of creation at any point, then we alter many other doctrines as well. Now, all these reasons for knowing the doctrine of creation, they're, they're great. But the most critical question we can ask is why? Why did God create? The answer is the bedrock. It's the very foundation of our faith. God created for his glory alone. The psalmist writes, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. And their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. 
Psalm chapter 19, verse 1. So if we were to shine a spotlight, to shine a spotlight right on the creative work of God, what would we immediately see and realize? Well, we would see that all that is real is due to God's creative work. Nothing outside of God is reality. Nothing exists in reality outside of God. We would realize that everything created is unique, having come from nothing. Yet, everything is related in some way, having been created by God. However, one telling aspect of the doctrine of creation is this, that all created things are not and never will be God or anything close. Now, let's take a look at the creation account itself, and particularly the time in which creation took place. This is a very controversial issue in this first chapter of Genesis. That's why I'd like to discuss it briefly. So our focus is on how old creation actually is. Now we're going to look at the creation account, as I said, in the first chapter of Genesis with a specific phrase used to separate each portion of God's creative work. For example, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Very familiar verse. Well, then it goes on. Verse two, the earth was formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And that was the end of his creative, first creative portion. Then he adds a concluding sentence. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. So to determine the age of creation from the Genesis chapter 1 account, and this is a very heavy lift, I might add, is to focus on that last sentence. And there was evening and there was morning one day. This is the pattern that will continue all through the first chapter of Genesis. A portion of creation will take place, ending with, and there was evening and there was morning one day, second day, third day, etc. This pattern will continue for six days until God ends his creative work. Now, we're not going to explore every theory regarding the age of creation and these days. For our purpose in knowing the doctrine of creation, we'll, we'll use some good biblical study, beginning with who Genesis was originally written to and what it meant to them. I mean, after all, the Bible cannot mean today what it did not mean then. Amen? So, who was the creation account originally written to? Well, it was written to the Jews, who had just recently been released from 430 years in Egyptian captivity. Okay, the author of this is most likely Moses. In other words, the Jews that were coming out of captivity were not scientists. They were not scholars. And at best, just a scant few of them had meager education. They were slaves for the majority of the 430 years. As a result, their understanding of the basic cycle of day and night would be much easier for them to grasp and to accept than explaining the time span of billions of years. So the proper context this was written to an audience with limited education and communication skills. And it came from God, who's apart from and not limited by time. So let's look at this phrase again. And there was evening and there was morning one day. Now let's break down a few of the words. This is what's important here. The word evening is translated from the Hebrew word ephreb meaning the setting of the sun. And it's from the setting of the sun to the time just prior to the sunrise. So that whole period. Its, its meaning is not just the sunset. The next word is morning. It's translated from the Hebrew word bokar. Okay? The meaning is just a period of daylight, however long that might be. So the two together with the last word, 
that is significant to our understanding here, which is the word day, translated from a Hebrew word, yom. This word has multiple meanings. It can mean a 24-hour period. It can also be a descriptive word, used such as daylight or God called the light day. Or it can have an un, it can mean an undetermined amount of time. So it has multiple uses, all based on the context, the surrounding understanding of the verse. Now these words, these three words, are used in combination hundreds of times throughout Scripture. Sometimes with numbers attached, and each time, except for one time in Daniel, they actually indicate the cycle of a single day. Now we can't get around that. Scripture always supports Scripture, and that's the way. This is meant. 24-hour day or a cycle of a single day. Now, here's the rub. Much of what is described in each portion of creation in this Genesis 1 account is progressive. It gives the impression that the creative activity is not immediate. As one portion builds on the next, such as this, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. Genesis chapter 1, verse 12 through 13. Now, in viewing the full account of creation, it appears the most logical conclusion, there's many theories, but the most logical conclusion for the age of creation does not rest on the 24-hour period itself, which concludes each segment. Instead, the surrounding context indicates we should view the days as markers. They are 24-hour days described. But they're set up as markers indicating the end of each portion of creation, where we know God's work is not constrained by time. He's infinite. So could creation have been accomplished in six literal days? Well, of course, we're speaking of Almighty God. But was it created in six literal days? It does not appear to me that it was. Now, as we consider the doctrine of creation in its simplest form, what can we conclude will have the greatest influence on our worldview? Because that's the main push here. That's why we should know the doctrine of creation, because it will influence our thinking and our worldview. Regardless of how long creation took, it was still emphasized that God created from nothing. So the first thing that will influence our worldview here is that all creation is a continuing act, which is maintained by God through the Christ Jesus. God didn't just create and then walk away and everything take care of itself. No, the author of Hebrews writes, and he, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of his glory, God, and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter one, verse three, Christ maintains all of creation. Second, as all is created by God to be good, and to his glory alone, then we are to be good stewards of his work. Amen? Well, Paul writes this to his good friend Timothy. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17-19. through 19. And finally, there is nothing or no one like God. This is the doctrine of creation. All things that exist owe that existence to the infinite God, 
all things exist to do his will and to worship him alone. During the temptation of Christ, Matthew wrote this. Again, the devil took him, Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. You know, folks, we must keep the doctrine of creation distinct and holy. It reveals the awesome power of the infinite God who created all things from nothing for his glory alone. We should revere his created work and hold it sacred while always maintaining the distinction between him and it. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Brand of Man. If you'd like to continue to listen to our messages, please subscribe so you will be provided biblical truths each and every week in the simplest of terms. God bless you all. Next up on Brand of Man, we will take on the hotly contested subject, even among Christians, the doctrine of evil. <laughs>